87 of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Hushet and welcome to the show. I am the host of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast and I'm so happy that you're here because I have the most exciting guest back today. She was on the show pretty much a year ago. Anyway, I'm going to introduce her in a minute. But first, I just wanted to say, oh my God, I've almost survived getting through term one of school. So I'm pretty stoked actually. And it's, you know, it's about celebrating those, those tiny wins. So I, I, I just didn't know how I would cope with being a school mom and the whole change of routine. And it's all pretty new, to be honest with you. I'm still kind of getting my head around it all. And, you know, particularly trying to fit all my work in the sort of short, short days and, you know, switching my timetable around a little bit. So I'm doing more work at night. It's not always easy, I have to admit, but, you know, we've, we've almost got through term one, which is great. And then we've got the school holidays to look forward to. And oh my gosh, it's actually, I'm pretty excited because I'm going to have a week and a half, about a week and a half with my daughter, which is really good. I've scheduled in some time off. So we've got some fun activities planned. We're going to go to the zoo. We're going to go to some museums. We're going to just hang around. And she's also booked in for a couple of days of vacation care so I can, you know, have a couple of solid days of work and then really relax for the other days that I'm with her. And I'm kind of planning on going camping. So I don't know if it's going to eventuate. And to be honest with you, I'm not the like a camping expert and it's probably not my favorite activity in the world. But, you know, I actually really loved it when I was a kid and now it's not really my thing. But then again, I haven't been camping in probably about 10 years. So who knows? But I do want to I want her to sort of experience that, I guess. And I don't want the fact that I'm a single mom to, I don't want that to mean that she can't experience those sorts of things as well. So we might go with a friend and anyway, I'm just going to go borrow a tent of someone hopefully and grab a couple of sleeping bags and off we go. So we'll probably just give her one night or two, but anyway, I'll keep you updated on that if we end up going. Anyway, so that's exciting. And then we are going to Perth. If you've been a regular listener, you will know that my daughter's dad lives in Perth, which if you're not from Australia is on the other side of the country from where we live, which is Sydney. And Australia is a pretty big country. So it's a five hour flight and they are going to have a week together, which is good. But, you know, it feels quite recent. She's only just had her time away with her dad. And now I have to say goodbye to her for a week again, which is sad for me, but, you know, really good for her. I'm really trying to foster that relationship that they have. And yeah, just trying to encourage as much time between for the two of them as I can. So, and I'm also kind of looking forward to the break, if I'm honest. So, you know, I it's, it's hard being a mom when you just you know, it's day in, day out. It's, there's no break usually for me. So it is nice that I get these, you know, kind of occasional weeks where I have, you know, five to five to six, seven days to myself. So yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I've, I've booked a hotel. I'm going to stay in a hotel for five nights. Um, if you listen, you'll know that I normally stay with friends. I used to even stay with him, which wasn't working out very well as you might expect. (laughs) And anyway, so I'm really looking forward to, you know, having a few nights in a hotel and having a sort of break, um, 
where I can just, you know, catch up with some friends and do some work and sleep and watch some Netflix and just kind of really rejuvenate, go on some walks and yeah, just do that sort of thing. So anyway, I'm really excited about that. My last little announcement is that the doors to the Don't Just Survive Thrive e-course are about to slam shut, okay? So you've got until Sunday, the 15th of April at midnight, Australian Eastern Standard Time to book in for that, uh, to enroll, I should say. And it starts on Monday, the 16th of April. So I'm really, really excited about it. It's a great e-course that you can do in your own time. There's four modules plus a bonus module. It's just self-paced. So once you enroll, you have access to it for as long as it is existing on that website, which I don't anticipate it going anytime soon. So it's great. It's There's a whole module on mindset, which really is the foundation, I think, of you know everything we do. And it's really important to learn how to get a positive mindset because sometimes it's very easy to get sort of sucked into that downward sort of negative spiral. So I'm going to teach you how to do that in that module. And then the other module is on balance, which is so important for us. I think as single mums, it's really important that we make sure that we are kind of well-rounded in all different aspects of our life. So it's very easy to get focused on, you know, being a mum and work and dealing with your ex. So yeah, it's all about balance and teaching you how to get that really well-rounded Um, approach to life, I guess. Then there's another module on goals, which is really important for single mums. I think, you know, a lot of the mums that I work with, they've never, ever had a goal and goals shape our lives. You can't expect change to happen without goals. And if you listen to next week's episode, I'm going to teach you the basics of the goal setting as a single mum. It's very difficult. And if you don't know where to start, it's it's a really good play. It's a really good thing to listen to because it's going to give you some steps to get you started on that. But it's something that can really help you as well with finding your identity, which sometimes, you know, we can become a bit lost as single mums. We can kind of forget who we are and we can kind of not even think about what we want and, you know, what we want to achieve. So anyway, that module's on goal setting. And then there's another module on self-discovery, which, you know, ties into what I was just talking about, finding yourself again and, you know, coming out into your own and doing what you love and finding out what you love and just getting back to being you, getting back to that freaking awesome individual that, you know, is, is in you, is within you. And then there's a bonus module on budgeting for single mums, which, you know, is pretty important for us to be on top of our finances. So anyway, I think that you'll get a lot out of it and everyone that has done it that I know of has loved it. So yeah, jump on in. And if you have any questions at all, you can email me. My email address is julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. I'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. I'm so excited she's back. Honestly, this guest is one of my all-time favorite guests ever. She was on the podcast, as I said, last year. She was on two episodes and you have to listen to her. She's, I mean, those episodes were two of my favorite episodes that I've ever had. And they were episodes 34 and 35. So if you want to go back and listen to those first so you get the full story, but I'm going to sort of summarize it a little bit when we get into it, but yeah, she's just freaking amazing. I just love her. I was so lucky that I got the chance to meet with her in person last year on one of my trips to Perth. I loved meeting her, although (laughs) the poor thing, when I met her, I was 
not in the best mood because I'd just arrived in Perth and (laughs) I'd had an argument with my ex and I was really in a bit of a foul mood. I was pretty cranky with him. So anyway, I'm really excited to hopefully catch up with her again when I'm in Perth in a couple of weeks. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. I hope you love it. Okay, here we go. I am so happy to have Farah Miller back on the show with me today. She was here on the show pretty much exactly a year ago on episodes 34 and 35, and I've been dying to have her back and to catch up with her about what's been happening in the last 12 months. Farah, hi, welcome back to the show. Good morning. How are you? Good. So I've got so many questions and I just want to hear everything. So last year you were telling me and the listeners about your journey in about 2015 and 2016, which were very, very full on years for you. So for those who haven't listened, and if you haven't, you have to go back and listen to episode 34 and 35 because Farah is just amazing and one of my all-time favorite guests on this on this show. And her story is just amazing and so inspiring. But as a quick summary, you were telling us all about your diagnosis with breast cancer, which was you got diagnosed stage three, grade two, a day after your son was born, which was back in 2016. And you also had your daughter who was 14 months old at the time and yeah and you were really telling us last time about the the last 12 months which had been you focusing on your health you'd had chemotherapy you'd had a double mastectomy you also had the two little ones to look after and on top of all of that the relationship with the father of your children had also ended in January of last year 2017 so there was a lot going on so First of all, I'd love to hear about what's been going on medically for you since then, because last time we spoke, you were actually about to go into the hospital the very next day for another procedure. And I know you've been in and out over the last 12 months. So tell us what's been happening for you medically over the last 12 months since we spoke. It's funny because I kind of just go with everything and go with the flow and I hadn't really been keeping track. And then last week, I did an interview uh, for the Daily Mail and the lady asked me, how many times have you been in hospital? And I thought, oh, God, I'm just going to go back and count. And it's actually been admitted 15 times in the last year and Mm. six operations since then. So I I think mostly as a result of the complications which resulted from my original double mastectomy and immediate recon surgery. So I had that in October 2016. But... From then on, um, I'd had multiple infections, open wounds, um, attempted reconstruction for a second time, um, in uh, implants, um, uh, if tissue expanded and inserted, and then neither of those worked. They, they resulted in infection. So then I had implant exchange um, in February this year. So it, it took about 18 months almost to get to the point where I am now and I'm still not finished, which I can't believe it feels crazy. But I'm about to meet with my doctors again tomorrow um, about my next surgery, which will be an oophorectomy, and that's when they um, remove your ovaries. And then uh, they're they're talking also about removing my uterus now as well because, (laughs) a long story short, I'm having a reaction to the the, um, medicines and the, the program of treatment that I'm on, which is very normal for people to take these particular medicines. But my body isn't really going with them well and that's resulted in a number of hospitalizations that have potassium infusion because I've been quite um, 
sort of very, very ill with that. So it's been very complicated oh, and this was like it's an ongoing saga. But, um, it's, yeah, it's, but I mean, I'm, I'm healthy when I'm, when I'm well, I'm well. But when I'm not well, I'm really unwell. And so um, I think they all know me by name at the hospital. Now it's funny when I go in, the nurses are like, oh, you're back here again. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's so. nice to know that you're not just a number, you know, like. No. Know, yeah. Yeah. I feel very well looked after. We have an incredible health system and people might be negative about it and there are many people who do fall through the cracks and things that don't work operatively for everyone, but for me, no pun intended, um, but for me um, I've been quite lucky, I think, in, in my journey and the people who, who I've met with and who have backed me have always been very supportive. And to be honest, I think my even my plastic surgeon, he um, he said to me, the one thing I love about you is you don't ring, you don't ring up and complain. You just Aww. go with the flow. <laughs> See, that's so because I, of your amazing. That's because of your amazing positive energy. Oh, bless you. Well, I feel like there's no point in being negative. I spent a lot of time feeling drowned in my negativity and in a dark place, especially with the initial diagnosis and then with the consequent relationship breakdown. That was a really awful time in my life. And now where I'm at, down the track I feel so emancipated and so free from that mm. space and I t- even if they were to tell me my cancer had come back tomorrow I think I'd handle it so differently I don't imagine I'd get to that same dark place because I've done all that work already about how I feel yeah where I've kind of made my peace with that with the initial diagnosis and the potential you know what can happen from here yeah you know what's ahead but anyway you don't need to worry about that but tell me about so what's what's with the so why the ovaries and the uterus is that more of a preventative thing um well with with me the medications that I take are designed to switch off any hormone activity in my body because I react um my cancer grows with hormone interaction so um they switch off my adrenal gland and they switch off my ovaries and um the problem is the medicines that they're giving me are also giving me a potassium, um, not like inability to absorb potassium, it's a malfunction kind of. So I was getting a, like a, a disease in my kidney and in the, um, the gland on the kidney that processes potassium, but that was in turn affecting my salt and my magnesium intake and my protein intake. So my body was kind of almost like shutting down my potassium would get so low I would literally have like a palsy like my face would kind of have a stroke and I couldn't talk or um, I'd get that bad pins and needles throughout my whole body and I couldn't think my brain would go like a fog and I couldn't find my way out and I'd feel really like I wasn't in the room I wasn't present it was really quite frightening and the few times it got so low that I had to be rushed to emergency um it, it was scary so the the discussions I had with my surgeons was that it might be better for me to remove the ovaries to stop needing to take that particular combination of drugs and then see if a different drug I might not react to so badly. I think the one thing I was really surprised about was just how many side effects and how awful the side effects are when you're on the drug treatment mm. close to your you know, chemo and radiation and surgery people often have to have these medicines for five to ten years it's very very wow. common that's the duration of time and and they are they're horrendous like essentially you're forced into a chemical menopause which you, you are anyway from the minute you have chemo usually your menopause sort of starts to commence there but 
these, and I know menopause is a horrific thing most women have to endure, obviously, in their lives, but um, in this stage, your body doesn't gradually reduce the hormones like it would naturally. It's just um, bang. It's immediately shut off, yeah. And so the, the kind of, I mean, some people don't have any side effects, which is amazing, and I just think, oh, my God, I want to be one of those women. But for me, I <laughs> seem to get every side effect under the sun, and then I tend to invent new ones. Uh, even the doctor said, I've never seen anyone have this reaction before. They, I'm actually working with a endocrinologist specialist in conjunction with my oncologist to try and figure out the protein and potassium issue and to find a balance to manage it because the side effects were so horrific and I can't keep having um, uh, you know admissions to hospital to have potassium infusions because you know, I need to look after my children and it makes me so unwell yeah. so yeah it's it's been a bit of a constant battle to try and find an equilibrium and just working with the health system to do that. You're often on waiting lists to meet these doctors. So, um, you know, getting the tests done and the and have urine samples taken every week. So they test my potassium levels. There's a chair booked for me permanently at the oncology ward at the hospital so that if I have to go in and have an infusion, now I can have it in the chair in the daytime rather than being admitted because yeah. they now know my my case my particular issues so well so that's been really helpful they've really worked with me there to help manage the delivery of the medicines so that I can still work around my children and my family and the childcare centre that I've been putting my children in has been really great in helping me get a a couple of um, funded grants to help place them in the care so that I can afford it I mean otherwise I wouldn't be able to (laughs) I don't know how. Oh my gosh! It's, it's hard. It's hard being a single mum. I, I mean, it's great. It's wonderful, but it is, it's freaking hard. And I still listen to your podcast every week to draw inspiration and strength to keep me going. Farah, do you know how many people love you? Like you are so inspirational. I think like far out, I'm really sorry to hear that it's been so medically difficult over the last 12 months. And I just, you know, as a single mom, it, it like even as a parent, I mean, it just must be so hard. So, you know, I just think what you're doing is amazing. It's funny, uh, even though it is hard and I, I can, there are days where I feel really low and it's, I struggle, but my community, my tribe always are there to lift me up and I think that's something that you've always, in, when, in you've, your interviews, you know, you've got to find that group of people that you can rely on to be there for you, the ones that you trust. And I did a lot of whittling in my life, like I cut a lot of dead wood when yeah. my relationship broke down. Um, and the casualty of cancer is some relationships do die, but I have a much stronger and more powerful circle now than I probably ever would have dreamed and that helps me along. And I think it's hard to find that footing. It's very hard. It takes some time. It's not something you – some people may have it instantly, but a lot of times you need to find your niche. You need to find that group and get out of the muck and the mire of the initial separation and – you know, establishing a home and a nest and a safe space and a place where you feel that things are kind of ticking along, you know, one foot in front of the other, just getting through every day and then eventually one day you'll look up and go, oh, my God, there's all these people I have amassed who are helping me and I'm getting, you know. I mean, for me particularly, I I went and did some parenting courses that are for free through this local shire because I'm struggling with my my toddlers. It's hard enough for me to parent, I think, for normal parents to parent. But for me, sometimes I'm just so exhausted. And um, my poor kids are so emotionally affected by my disappearances because they're not, you know, sometimes they're gone for 10 days at a time and they don't don't know why or where I went. Yeah. No, I mean, my son's about to turn two and my daughter just turned three. So 
So they've had a really tumultuous couple of years and they are often passed from person to person. You know, there's their daycarers, there's their grandparents, there's me, there's their dad sometimes. And then, you know, it's, it's a really difficult space for them. So I'm trying to learn how to better parent. And that's been a really great um, avenue for me to meet other mums and to hear other stories. I mean, I, even just yesterday after one of my workshops, I met this amazing um, lady in that workshop space and we went and had a coffee afterwards and it's incredible some of the stories out there and there's so many women who are who've been single mums or had a struggle or had a really oppressive relationship and a you know devastating breakdown or a horrid experience that you couldn't even imagine so it's even it puts me in perspective with what I'm going through you might say wow what you've been through is huge but some people go through much much worse and I just keep reminding myself that every day Everyone has their struggles. Exactly. And it's all relative to you and your life, obviously. I know you know that. But yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I find it fascinating just how many people are out there putting on brave faces and you've got no idea really what's going on. But it's, yeah, exactly. I have no idea what's going on in people's lives. But it's oh, really yeah. nice that you've found some, you know, really good things that have come out of this, which is, you know, making some really good connections and seeing who who is important to you and, you know, it's just that support is just everything. Absolutely. And no matter how lost and floundering I was at the beginning, I've kind of, there was a point where I just threw my hands up to the universe. I call it giving it up to the universe. And I just said, I'll just take care of me, just do it. Because I don't want to, I can't stress about this. I can't micromanage anymore. I can't be this overly organised person because I just don't have the energy and I don't have the time that was who I was in another life but I can't be that person now I need to change and I need to let things go and that's all been a learning and growth process that I've been going through and since I said giving it up to you universe you take it the amount of things that have just fallen in my lap um, that I didn't realize that I wanted but I've gone oh my god that's so what I need right now or that's amazing I can't believe that worked out so um, I love that. Yeah, me, me too. And I was so tightly trying to hold on to my bundles and not drop them. Like I had so many things, you know, the kids, my self-protection, and my medical issues, like everything I was holding so tightly, not wanting to let anyone in or anyone do anything for me. And the minute I dropped it all, I thought, oh, my God, it's all going to smash and it's going to be irreparable. But it actually all kind of just started taking care of itself. I'm such a big believer in the universe kind of having our backs and guiding us and helping us, you know, with what we need. I just think it's really nice to hear that you felt that, like that kind of, you know, reassurance and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not all going to, you know, fall apart. And I'm a massive worrier. I, I seriously think that the worry and the natural stress that I have in myself as a as a, a woman and a human being and before I even became a mother I was a very highly stressed person yeah. and so I was very wound up very tense and I've never been able to unclench easily but now I'm such a different person even my best friend she just can't believe the changes in me and I think sometimes I think oh god is that really me saying that is that me doing that like once upon a time I'd be scared to speak in public but last year I gave a speech to 700 people in a out of breast cancer fundraising dinner and yeah. and I've you know been on your podcast and I never would, I never would have put naked photos of myself out in public let alone you know I felt shy yeah. with doctors seeing me but now I feel empowered to say well this is who I am and I'm proud of this what I went through to get to who I am and if this story makes one woman out there think oh my god 
I would hate for this to happen to me. I'm going to check my boobs right now or sharing yeah. it with all their friends and they all check their boobs. You know, if it makes five, ten women, 50 women, that's my goal. I, Absolutely. I, I feel like I was just talking to a friend actually before I was on the phone to you. We're trying to cook up a little um, fundraising um, initiative for Breast Cancer Network Australia before I go on my big trek to China in May. And uh, one of her... Um, uh, ideas was um, she said well, let's raise some more money for you and what could you get out of this and I said she said what do you want in your life right now and I said do you know I think I've got what I want I wanted a platform to um, find my true self again which I've done cancer gave me that be a inspiring story for other women who whose relationships may break down as a result of cancer and who are young mothers because I feel like that's an area that's not very explored and it's really not talked about. It's so hard to find stories of people where this has happened and where yeah. it's been a, that, 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 that's been a very difficult. And, and also the resources that are available. I want to connect people with resources because it's, you are so unwell at the beginning and it is so hard. It's really hard to find, you know, things that are going to support you and get you through. So I think that's what I want. Yeah. And, and I've, yeah, I've sort of, it, that's all kind of happened. As I said to her, this is all kind of already happening for me. I don't need to push for that. It's already working. So It's, it's just working yeah. out. Look, yeah. I, think it's, I think the fact that you feel so empowered and that you can put naked photos of yourself out there and you can say, here I am and this is my story, you know, to help other people, I just think it's so incredible. Like it's just amazing and I think, you know, it, it, it's, it must be such a good feeling to know that you're really making a difference now. And I wanted to talk to you a bit about that because you sort of just mentioned a few things that you've been doing over the last 12 months. And I've just been watching you just going, wow, like you are just everywhere. You're doing so much for breast cancer awareness and speaking everywhere and all this charity stuff. I just think, it's absolutely incredible and you really are making a difference. And I was wondering if you wanted to share some of the other things you've been doing because you you mentioned the the speaking that you did, which was for... Um, it was the pink ribbon ball. The pink ribbon yeah. ball. Yeah, yeah, so the pink ribbon ball. You've done all these relays and um, the Mother's Day Classic. You've done the... Raising money for breast cancer WA, which I know is a charity very close to your heart. Yeah, for, uh, Purple Bra Day, and you've done all this media stuff. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. I just think it's you know good on you. It's funny hearing you list it all because I've never really thought about how much I've done. That's funny because and now that makes me realise why my mum keeps saying to me, "You need to stop and slow down." Because my mum's the biggest thing. She's like, "You you don't rest enough. You don't you know you don't." you need to take care of yourself, stop doing all these things. And I'm like, but I can't. This is what's driving me to keep going. This is, I might be completely exhausted, but I'm exhausted because I'm doing things I want to do and I'm trying to make a difference. Yeah. I feel like if I don't, I feel this, this urgent need to repay everybody who's helped me and to put it back in there. And my counsellor keeps saying to me, you've got plenty of time to do that, you know, but I, but I want to start it now. I don't want being tired to be the excuse that I didn't do something I could have helped other people uh, or I think if it makes you happy yeah Yeah. why not you know like if as long as you're not feeling drained but if you're if you're feeling really passionate about this and you love it and it makes you happy like that's what you need right now you know you need to be doing stuff that you know gives you a good energy 
I also have to manage it though. Like I'm very, I did have a couple of mental breakdowns this year. I've had a couple of times where I have fallen in a heap because I've kept going and going and going and I thought I had the balance and all of a sudden I panicked and had a bit of anxiety and it just all got on top of me. And it happens in, in my personal life at the moment. My stepdad has um, his own cancer diagnosis and he's having treatment at the moment and he's just quite serious. So that's been a bit full on. I'm constantly dealing I'm sorry with to hear that. Yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, he's very Is that your stepdad? You mentioned, was this, because you mentioned your dad, I think, on the last episode of having yeah. this cancer scare. Was that him or was no, that, that's is my that your biological father? No, my dad. That's and, your biological dad. Yeah, so now yeah. your stepdad. Now my stepdad, oh, yeah. So he's um, been unwell. But also in the last year, we've lost my ex partner's mum, my children's grandmother. Um, she passed away oh. from cancer as well. So we've had quite a year full of cancer. We're sort of, it just seems like it's never going to leave my life now. It's like I wanted so badly to be away from it as far as I could from it and now I'm just immersing myself in it because there's so many people who are close to me, not just myself, who've had to deal with it and I want to do as much as I can to raise the money for the organisations to try and make those changes so this doesn't continue because I feel like it's everywhere I turn at the moment and it's at one point in my life, I never knew anybody, and now it's like everybody I know. And yes, that's a bit of a result of the space I'm in, but also it just seems to be touching everyone's lives. And everyone I talk to, oh my God, you know, my sister has breast cancer and she has two small kids, but she lives in Brisbane. And oh, who did you, who helped you? She doesn't know what she's doing. And um, you know, I've, it's these stories I'm constantly getting told from the lady in the hairdresser that I start talking to, or, you know, someone who's messaged me on Facebook because they saw a picture somewhere and it's scary <laughs> how yeah, prevalent yeah. it is in the community and I feel like I really need to, to do whatever I can no matter how tired it makes me. I think it's amazing and I think you're really making a difference, you know, like anyone who had just um, got that diagnosis I'm sure would be looking to people who've been through a similar situation and you are just the perfect person to represent that kind of community because you're so positive. You know, you've just got just the most amazing attitude about it all. So I think it's incredible. I hope so. And I'd like to think so. And that's, I think that's why I was approached to do the, the speech at the Pink Ribbon Ball. Um, one of the other young um, ladies um, who I know who's also been through breast cancer, she put my name forward to the lady who runs the event and she contacted me and we had a meeting and she said, Look, I'd love to for you to speak at the at the ball, but I'd also love to interview you for my um, Foxtel show. She has a show on Foxtel and that was really great. I got to meet some amazing people as a result of that experience. And It's incredible. But it was also really good for me. Like I think it was a medicine for me to empower myself. Mm. Saying, I was terrified and I didn't want to say yes. Yeah but I had, there was a bigger thing behind it than my fear <laughs> of doing it. And yeah. I, I, whenever I'm scared of something now, I always say, but, you know, you've got to live your life and what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so many worst yeah. things could happen. So I tend to say yes to everything exactly. now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was really good. It's so good. Yeah. And then last year, and with the China yeah. thing, it's funny how I ended up saying yes. Yes, that's that. what I was about to ask you about. <laughs> yeah, well, I was in hospital. <laughs> what is that. happening? I had another operation last um, November. I was in hospital from one of them and 
I must have been in a drug-induced haze and on Facebook as you do in hospitals, not myself. <laughs> and I saw this, sign up now to join us for a trek on the Great Wall of China to raise funds for National Breast Cancer Foundation. It was just a sponsored ad. And I went, yeah, I'll do that. And I signed up and paid the initial deposit right then and there. And then I woke up a couple of days later and I was like, what, what did I what did I do oh my god I have to do this now and the, the more I thought mum's like oh, I'm sure that they will take the money back you know are you sure you want to do that I said no actually I need this as a goal for me to to as a physical goal to try and achieve a better health but also as a mental goal and as something that I can do to show women look at what I could achieve and this was within two years of my initial diagnosis and this is where I am now and I feel like yes. It's important for me. I actually went traveling even quite unexpectedly last year. I have a friend. I know I saw that in yeah, Japan. Yeah, I had a friend in Japan and very, very last minute just said, I'm going to come visit you. And I down tools and um, I didn't have a surgery booked and I was feeling well. So I said to my mom, I'm going to do this. And I used some of my savings to go and had the most amazing time. And I found being in the Eastern influence so, I don't know, so rejuvenating for my spirit and myself. and. Mm. The calmness over there and the the purity of just the thought processes and the kindness of the people and the busyness of the city and just being away from my normal space, I felt that was really helpful for me. And I went to a lot of temples and I did a lot of, uh, I did some mountain climbing and stuff. I really pushed myself while I was over there. And I thought, if I can do that then, and I was sick then, I could do this now. So I thought China's, I've never been there. It sounds amazing. And it was a big commitment. Like I do have to pay quite a lot of money to do it and you have to raise a minimum amount of money to be able to to go. So the goal is the whole group raise $50,000 so everyone has to raise a minimum of three and a half. So I was like, oh, my God, how how am I going to do this? I have no idea. I feel like I've already put my hand out and people have put money in my fundraising uh, adventures um, previously and I'm always asking the same group and I thought I don't know how I'm going to get it out there but uh, unbelievably people stepped well, up and give were us, more than give happy. Give us the details give <laughs> us it. the details and make sure you um like where how do people how do people donate to sort of sponsor you I guess to uh, you know raise money and well I've um, I've got an everyday hero page which is for the actual um, National Breast Cancer Foundation itself. I can give you the link if you'd like. Yes, Um, give me the link and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, Well, it's tinyurl.com forward slash C-Y-B-I China. So short for check your boobicles in China because that's my little catchphrase, check your boobicles. So I'm going to check my boobicles in China. I'm going to spread the word. So <laughs> I kind of so that's the fundraising page for the National Breast Cancer Foundation and my particular um, pot of money going to them as a result of this fundraising trek. And I also have a personal page because some people contacted me and said, "Look, this is great. We want to help, but we would like to give you some money towards your expenses because." Um, it is going to cost me. It does cost me money to. I had to buy trekking boots, and I've had to pay for my airfares and my yeah. accommodation and all that stuff. And that's been really lovely too. So I, I have another small page for funding for that if people wanted to contribute there too, which has been lovely. Yes. Yeah. So can you can you if you don't know the link, can you email it to me and I'll put it in the show notes as well. No, I know that one too. Oh, cool. <laughs> I've shared it around so many times. GoFundMe.com forward slash Far as Trek. Farah's Trek. Yeah. 
Great. All right. Well, I'll put both of those in the show notes as well. So that oh, if anyone you. wants to spare, even if it's just a couple of dollars, yeah, I mean, every little bit adds it up. makes a big difference. I'm very, very grateful. And I, I have, I mean, I have paid for it in full myself. It's just a few little expenses now. I've got to pay for my visa and um, well, I've just got to buy a couple of more items to take, like a, you know, a trekking backpack and things. But I'm borrowing a few things from people as well, which is good. So the only it's problem is it's going to be an amazing experience. Yeah, it will be amazing. I've been so looking forward to it, and I have really struggled with should I definitely do it. I've um denied and gone back and forth. Even though I've kept raising the money the whole time, I've, I've sort of thought I need, you know, will I be well enough? And then being so well with all the potassium issues and my most recent surgery, I was a bit worried. And then just uh, just recently, I got a call saying, "Oh, we've rescheduled your meeting with the." Um, my new surgeon about my oophorectomies to tomorrow. And so I'm really hoping when I go tomorrow they don't offer me an operation date in May <laughs> so that I can still yeah. go because I, I, mean, I really couldn't turn that down if they did because I've been waiting now for so long to go see them. So, um, yeah. if that, And if that happens, I spoke to the Trek people and they said, oh, I can participate in next year's Trek instead, which won't be in China, it'll be in Nepal. But since I've prepaid... Oh. Um, I, you know, yeah, and I've raised exactly. all my money I could still be eligible so that was really kind of them and that's again that was me so stressed about everything and then the universe just took care of it like they just contacted me and said look we know you've not been well we're going to let you know that this is possible and I was just like really I've been so worried about that so it's yeah been, it's, I was really lucky that's amazing. That, that worked out for me too yeah. and so and so if you end up going to China, it's tre- trekking the, the Great Wall of China, isn't it? Yeah, so there's a 10-day um, adventure trek um, and it's on lots of parts of the wall in remote spots and some of it's quite challenging. And I think it'll be, for me, especially I'm, I'm terrified of heights and there's a lot of parts of the wall where you trek where it's very uneven footing and it is very high. So um, I'll, I'll yeah. really be pushing myself and totally out of my comfort zone. And fit-wise, I mean, I did start a regime of fitness back in September last year. I've been doing lots of yoga and going, I signed up for the gym and I've been quite busy trying to keep myself fit. But I've had so many setbacks with my health. My potassium kept dropping. I'd get really sick and weak and I'd have to start again. And uh, I mean, having the two kids running around after them is it's basically a workout every day. Yeah. And um totally. I, it's crazy. But um I think it will be hard. I probably haven't done as much training as I should have optimally done, but I think I can still do it. I'm pretty sure I can push myself and I might come back completely smashed and that's probably pretty selfish for my kids for me to come back so exhausted. But I, I really want to do it for me. <laughs> I don't think it's selfish. I think you're being an amazing role model, honestly. Like, and they might not understand it now, but when they get older, they're going to be like, "Wow, our mom is fucking amazing." I hope so. I feel they like will. if God forbid I'm not here, I want my legacy to them to be. I I tried. I tried the best I can all the time. I never dropped the ball. I don't. I don't want them to think that I never. I stop. Never stop putting them first. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been let down like enough. That, you no. will be here. Well, look. To be honest, just the last couple of days, I've had some terrible news. There's a lady that I've been, I've befriended from across the world. She's in the UK, and she and I had very similar stories. And she read my initial article in the Daily Mail, and she reached out to me through Messenger and said, "Look, 
I've heard, I read what you're going through. I'm so sorry. I've been through a very similar thing. Here's um, a link to a group on Facebook of young mums who are um, going through cancer. Um, they're mostly mothers who had cancer treatment in utero with children in utero. And then there's other um, some mums in there who've, who've been breastfeeding at the time of diagnosis, which I was. So um, I was accepted yeah. into that group and she and I befriended each other and sort of we chatted for the last couple of years. Um, she's always been there. She's a lovely lady named Seema Taylor Bolsara. And um, so very sadly, she passed away last week and it was very sudden. Her cancer had come back very quickly and with a vengeance. And it just, I'd been living in this space. I was like, oh, I'm done with the cancer now. I'm just going through the motions of, you know, the post-treatment. Just get, you know, I kept, I was so ridiculously, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. I just thought, I, I'm done now. That's not going to happen to me. And, and now that I've seen how quickly and how savagely it came back, it seemed right. It put a bit of fear in me, I guess, in the last week. I felt a bit yeah. frightened and a bit scared. And it's hard because in that group we do lose mum regularly because no matter how optimistic you are and how healthy you're, you're doing, it, you know, yeah. any anything can happen, anything can change. And it's scary and I try not to let that thought drag me down. I let myself have that moment of fear. And then I try and pull myself out of it and keep going. But I, I, can't ignore, yeah. I can't be ignorant of it. Sometimes I'm too ignorant of it. And I'm scared that one day I will be so ignorant it's just going to bite me. And I'll be like, what? I don't want it to come out of left field. So I want to always be mentally preparing it's, it's, in the background just for, for the just in case. It's really hard. Like that's devastating. And I saw your um, post on Instagram that you wrote about that, which was so beautiful. And it's so sad that that happened. It made me really sad to read that and just to think of all the children that are affected by that. It's me devastating. Yeah, I think, it me. and it's like I can understand, yeah, and I can understand why, it, you know, it, it would be unusual if you didn't think, oh, my gosh, what if that's me, mm. you know? So I guess it's um, I can understand why you would feel that way but it's good that you kind of let yourself have that moment and then you just get back on with it because you can't live with that fear either. Like you don't want to spend your whole life living in fear. No, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've had because, I mean, I did, I I was in a relationship that I I don't term healthy. It was very, very toxic in a number of ways and I I felt like I was living in fear a lot. So I know what it feels like to live in a type of fear and then having the cancer over your head is like another fear, again, especially when you're right in the middle of the treatment waiting to get those words, you know, at the end that it was successful. And that's another kind of fear altogether. But then that's, I think this is one of the main things that cancer warriors struggle with the most is that little shadow on your shoulder, just behind your back the whole time that don't get too happy, don't get too comfortable. You feel like it's always there. And it is really tough mentally to stay in the game and in front of that and not to let that take you over. It's tough. And I've done a lot yeah. of work with, uh, you know, with the Breast Cancer Care WA and with um, my counsellor to, to try and not let that consume me. And I'm lucky because my kids keep me busy and keep me focused on other things. So I sometimes I don't have the time. I don't have the luxury of sitting there and dwelling on those thoughts and fears. Yeah. I can't. I've got to have them in the moment, acknowledge them, and then I've got to, tie them to a balloon and let them go because I just I can't yeah that's the visual visualization I have to have for it 
Otherwise, I, I, yeah. I could so easily fall into a hole. And I think that's another reason I keep myself so busy. You know, I'm totally psychoanalyzing myself yeah. right now. But I think being busy <laughs> doesn't give me a moment to stop and think and to get negative and let things get me down. And I don't want to be trapped by fear or someone's negativity anymore. I've had that. I'm done with that. I totally shed that. Yeah. I don't want that back. And especially not my own. And you... <laughs> No, exactly. And you're keeping busy and distracting yourself with something really positive. You know, you're not just keeping busy for the sake of being busy. Like you're doing yeah. something that's keeping you busy. That's also giving you some really making positive some feelings and emotions. Exactly. And, yeah, that, and, and making that's all a difference. Part of, yeah, that's all part of my psychological recovery and my mental health and well-being. And I'm so starting to really cotton on to the importance of mental wellness. Like I think in your in your youth and in your 20s and your, maybe even in your early 30s, you're so busy forging ahead in life, making a career or studying or, um, you know, doing what you think you need to do because you kind of get, I think for a lot of women, you're just stuck on the track and just keep going. And then maybe one day you wake yeah. up and just go, what am I doing? Is this what I want? Is this who I am? Is this, have I achieved anything? All of a sudden that realisation that you might not be doing what's right for you. So, yeah. Yeah, it's. I know it's so important. It's, it's really good to like have that insight. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now onto something a little bit different. Um, last time we spoke, you mentioned you were worried about meeting someone, and I was wondering if you had anything <laughs> to share. Oh my god. <laughs> well, um, my the, the story goes like this: My children are with their father maybe once every two or three weekends. He'll have them for a couple of nights. So. On those Saturday nights, I was at home alone on the couch last year. I was so lonely and I just thought, oh, my God, all of my friends are coupled up. I don't want to be in a couple, but I just want to go out and other people and maybe see a movie or have a dinner with someone. And I kept looking at myself yeah. and I'm going, no one's going to want to meet me. How am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And I tried joining a couple of those meetup groups. Just it wasn't working and I thought, what am I going to do? So, I'm all about raw and honesty and laying it on the line. So I thought, all right, it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter that I'm totally breathless. It doesn't matter that I have two really small children. I'm not looking for a boyfriend or a baby daddy. I just want to look for some people to meet, maybe preferably people of the opposite sex, <laughs> restore my yeah. faith in men because it had severely been bashed. So I thought, yeah. I think, um, I, th I thought I'll just put a profile out there and you know, there was a free eHarmony weekend or give it a whirl. So I, yeah. I put it up. That would seem like a safe space because it was paid and, you know, I, you can't really attract some, you know, undesirable, you know. So I, I'll give it a go. And, anyway, I did that for a month or so and, I, you know, I met some interesting people. I didn't really go on any dates. We just discussed things back and forth. And then a girlfriend of mine who I've kind of been working with doing a little bit of um, brand ambassador work for her um, business, she does a mastectomy, bra fitting and consultations um, for women who've had breast cancer um, with a prosthesis and things. And she was on um, – she's on Plenty of Fish, which I'd never heard of. Yeah. And she said, you should go on that. That's great. So I was like, okay. So I, we, we did a profile, got on there. And um, it was feral. Oh, my God, it was terrifying. I was, oh, it was really? so awful. It was so awful. And I thought, this is not what I want. But um, I met a couple of guys who I just would chat with. And then one night I was sitting on the couch and I just got this, you know, message through from a guy. Um, he said, oh, how are you going? And um, he said, I just want to tell you, I think you look like Scully from the X-Files. And I was like, are you joking? And so that's funny because that was my... <laughs> Nickname all through high school, Scarlet. 
Oh, yeah. really? So I said to him, that's weird that you say that because of this. And he said, oh, my chihuahua was named Scully, my dog. I had a dog for forever. And so that kind of like a really weird off-the-bat connection that we had and we were laughing about it. And we just started to message back and forth and um, we just decided to go out one night for a drink. And I said to him up the front, like, you know, my profile was very, very, it was like, I'm not looking for anyone anything romantic I just want to meet some new people this is me this is what I look like this is my life right now it's mental if you think you can handle it and you wouldn't mind a, a weird story and a drink then let's catch up so we did that yeah. and then we went on to a movie that night and it was one of those dates that you kind of just don't want it to stop because you're having a good time and yeah, yeah from then we, we went on a couple of more and I just I wasn't looking for anything at all and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's really lovely he's, and he's like, he's so lovely. It's scary. There must be something wrong with him. There must be something wrong. And I, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just kept thinking, I kept, I kept pre-warning going, you know, you know I have two small children, you know, I have toddlers. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And he wanted to come meet my family, <laughs> come and meet my crazy family and he came to Christmas and he, he let me drag him all over the countryside to my Christmas and then we went to see his family for Christmas and very, very quickly in just a couple of months we felt like we were old friends. It was really odd. Like I felt like I knew him and he felt like he knew me, maybe because we were very similar like we're both liberals we both have very similar likes and dislikes um everything that I would think yeah. or say he would he would be like oh yeah I thought that or I think that and he was just amazing support that came out of nowhere to my life that I wasn't expecting and I, it was oh. it was really beautiful it was really lovely and I've we've had a great time and my kids absolutely love him and the funniest thing is my cat loves him my cat hates everybody <laughs> the first night he ever came to my house yeah my cat just jumped straight on his lap and I was like oh my god the cat likes you I'm gonna have to keep you now and it, it was it was so weird but then I sort of had a moment like it last month I was like oh my god this is going too fast it's too much it's too I've started to put myself in his shoes going this is too much for him to take on it's too much for me to take on I having another person in the house it's more washing it's more cooking it's more cleaning I have to look decent I can't just go and have a bath with the kids when they're in the bath normally I would jump in with them and quickly wash everything I yeah. can't do that when there's a lovely man sitting on my couch and and I can't <laughs> feel this pressure of him in the house for me to be a a type of hostess or a type of girlfriend if I'm someone's girlfriend I want to cherish them and dote on them and make dinners and coffees and get them drinks and sit and talk to them and make them feel special and important and he was just getting left there he was just almost like an ornament in the room while my crazy life was going on around him and I started to feel this massive pressure and guilt that I was doing it wrong and it wasn't good and that he was just being nice Aww. and I, I, I guess I started to overthink it which is my worst worst personality trait and I I said to him I feel like we're going too fast I need to pull back on this this isn't right it's just and he said are you, you know are you sure is that what you want I said I think we need to so we had a break for a, for 10 days and I I was so convinced at the beginning that maybe it wasn't going to go anywhere and I just I'd, I'd done the wrong thing I wasn't ready for this it's not what I wanted I worked so hard to be where I was to be in this space and this free happy safe space away from that life I was in I felt scared that I was going to break it or ruin it and I felt like I'd done a huge wrong thing by even putting myself out there to meet someone when I never had the intention of actually having a relationship I just wanted new friends and I thought I've done this all wrong I started to think oh my god I've, I've got someone's feelings involved here and I've, I've got my kids involved here and I shouldn't have done this 
And I sat with that for a week or so and I was about five days into it and I was in hospital again. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I really miss him. And the kids were asking out after him every day yeah. and I was looking at it like this is the first time I'd ever been in a relationship or a partnership with a guy where it hadn't made things harder, it made things easier, but I was making it hard. My mental health space was making it hard. I was thinking too much about it. And so we had this huge... You weren't allowing yourself to just I wasn't. I wasn't. I was, I was assuming that he was deigning to, you know, like he was just biding time to find something better. But, you know, I was making these, all these assumptions mm. that I wasn't worth it, that I wasn't... And it was so stupid. And so we had this really, mm. really raw conversation that was very emotional and very tough and I never speak to anyone like that let alone guys especially not guys and this he was just so empathetic and so open and so true everything that came out of his mouth was not a lie and not cloaked in some kind of slimy ickiness to try and make me bend me or mold me to a certain way which is what I was used to it was so Mm healthy and I just was like why am I letting this go this is this is it guys everything I could have dreamed of and more he ticks all the boxes anyone would ever want to make on a list and then he makes more boxes and ticks them himself like it's just he's amazing and I just thought I can't I can't do this I'm making a big mistake so I said to him "Uh, I think we should go out and catch up again and just have a talk and so we did and I just now I feel like that he, I hadn't shown him my body either. That's another thing. And this kind of all happened around the time I took the photos that um, I just released. And he'd never seen Yeah, it. that are gorgeous. He'd by never the way. seen that of so me. And I'd been hiding that and holding it back. And I'd always tried to look good for him. He'd never seen me with my, you know, chicken feather hair in the morning and my makeupless face and my munted body and not nicely dressed, covering up the, you know, the mum belly. And I just, I'd never let him see that side of me. I didn't want an intimate relationship with anyone because my association with my own body isn't healthy. I feel still I'm in a really awkward space and I'm not not brave enough to, to show that to someone I care about. But after we had this sort of this break, this breather, this pause, and I realised that, that my feelings weren't just those, you know, those initial quick feelings that you have for someone yeah um yeah actually was something deeper there that I sort of I let it all out I let it go and I let him see it and I I felt this huge big weight lift off my shoulders like oh my god I don't have to hide that anymore I don't have to and I said to him this is how it is if you're here you have to pick up the dishcloth man if you're if there's dishes in the sink I need you to help me do them I can't just be the only one I know you're not my partner not my husband but this is what I need and if you want to be in this space and you this is how if this is how it is this is what's going to happen I'm going to have kids screaming and fighting I can't there's not I can't have this pressure that they need to be behaved every time they're here because I can't control that and they're going to feed off me and my stress and emotions and so the more stressed I was getting the more stressed they were getting and I I, yeah I just I need to just be in my house like he wasn't here but with him here said and it's not going to be pretty well that's the thing (laughs) yeah but that's the thing like because when you dating someone they're hanging over at your house all the time hanging at your Mm. house like I always felt like with one partner that I had a couple of years ago 
I just thought, what is this? Am I running a hotel? Like I'm, I'm looking after my daughter, but I feel like now I've just got like someone else I need to feed, <laughs> someone else I need to, you know, clean up. Well, after. it's funny. Look, and it's not. You know, I'd be happy to do all those things, but and I, I am to a certain point. But all of a sudden, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't mind doing it. But I was adding it up in my head, going, I'm doing extra loads of washing. I'm doing extra loads of dishes. I'm cooking more than I normally would because if it was just me, I wouldn't bother cooking. For me, I'd only eat what the kids didn't eat and it, so when yeah. with him here I felt this pressure to cook I felt this pressure to have my house tidy I felt pressure for me to look decent I felt pressure um, to stay up a bit later after I'd gone to bed so we could spend some time together where normally I'd pass out in the cot next to Ryland while I was putting him to sleep yeah. so uh, I was trying to live a life that wasn't that I was I, I was putting the pressure on myself he wasn't asking me for it it's just what I was doing yeah and uh, that's where I, that's why I cracked because I just I couldn't I couldn't maintain that facade. I couldn't keep that up, and I, it wasn't working. And he, uh, he said, "I don't, I just love you for you. I'm here for you. If you need something, just ask me." He goes, "I don't know how to have kids. I've never had kids, but if, you know, if you want to tell me what to say and what to do, I'll do it." He's, and he's just been amazing. He, any little thing I need, he's anticipated and he has it ready. Like uh, I must have complained about not having a and any decent coffee and how it was keeping me alive. And one day a coffee machine turned up on my doorstep. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh I, bought, I bought you a coffee machine, babe, I thought you might use And then the other day I was cooking and I was talking on the phone to my sister because I'm always trying to multitask. At the moment while I'm talking, I'm trying to move my house around, which is so stupid. But um, <laughs> I, I, I was multitasking cooking and I burnt the, um, the cord on one of my appliances in the kitchen and I was ringing around trying to get it fixed and um, I said, oh, I think I found someone who's going to do it. He goes, oh, no, I'll take it to work. The boys at work will fix that. So today he sends me a text, oh, yeah, I've had that fixed for you. And he goes, oh, I've bought you some fairy lights to put us outside in the back garden so we can see outside when we sit out there. And uh, I've ordered Foxtel so that we can watch some Foxtel while I'm here because I know you really want to watch the X-Files. And, like, just these things that he does, he's just so thoughtful. He's always putting me and my, the kid and the kids ahead. I'm like, you know, it's Ryland's birthday in a couple of days, and he'd ordered a present for Ryland two months ago, and we'd only been oh we'd only gosh. been together for two months. Like, he's just Farah. That's so yeah, nice. Yeah, he's, so he's nice. literally. I would call him Mr. Unicorn because I feel like he's not real. It's funny. <laughs> so uh, now, did I hear you say the L word before? Did he say he loves he, you? We have said that, yeah, and it was very. So you're in yeah, love. Yeah, it is. It is love. It's really totally. Aww different to anything I've ever felt before and so special and yeah very surprising and I don't oh I don't, I don't know how yes. to yeah I don't know how to talk describe it it's like I'm not scared to when I was with my ex-partner my children's father I never felt like I could be myself I always was like hiding who I really was to try and keep him liking me or keep in with him and I don't feel like yeah, that I'll keep the pain with Mr Unicorn I'm totally I don't know. I'm just myself. I'm so, so myself, so raw and so naked and so bare and could not be more myself and more exposed. And he's still here. And he wants. I am. It's huge. Sorry, Karen. No, no, no. It's it's a huge thing for me. (laughs) It is huge. But you know what? Like, this just makes me so happy. You just deserve this so much, you know? Like, you need 
a great relationship, a healthy relationship and someone who really values you and sees how amazing you are. And, you know, it sounds like maybe you haven't been lucky enough to have that in the past, but this is your time. It feels like This is it, your time. It like, does. And he, he's the kind of guy that I want to a role model for my son because the kind of behaviours and that I'd had in previous relationships, especially with the father, I was scared. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want my children having that. And instantly it's like the universe said, don't worry, we'll take care of that. And he's come from heaven and he's just, they love him, the cat loves him, my family all love him. Like <laughs> we just spent the weekend with my sister. We went away for the weekend. He brought my dad up, so he drove my dad for two and a half hours in the car listening to stories about Bunnings and how fantastic he used to have this football career <laughs> that would have been better if he had an early tip. And, and he did that for two hours so he could come and meet me up at the country with my kids in the car and we could Aww. spend some time as a family up there because I miss my sister and I don't see her often. And he, he was so, he was so like, he's so like, what nice. do you need, babe? And I was texting him going, oh, my God, I forgot to bring the Easter eggs. He goes, yeah, sure, I'll bring them. You know, uh, oh, can you just grab some alcohol? And then, Yep, that's no problem. Like, he'll rock up at my place with some supplies. I've got some milk and bread and hot cross buns because I know you like them. And, you know, I'll, I'll come out from bathing the kids and so there'll nice. be a glass of wine on the table. I thought you might like a drink, you know. He's just really thoughtful like that. And I've never had that. I've never had anybody be like that for me. And I'm so grateful. Well, I'm so happy for you. Like you just, this is just amazing. This is perfect, perfect timing. It, it feels a little early. Part of me kind of feels like, you know, aren't you supposed to be struggling single mum forever until you meet, you know, Mr. Right? Aren't you supposed to really know yourself? Like, aren't you, and shouldn't I wait until I'm more healthy, like I'm as far past this cancer crap as I could be? Shouldn't the kids be a bit older so they can, you know, they're not so difficult to manage? Like, I mean, it's hard for someone who's never had kids to come in and all of a sudden be a fake dad to two toddlers. Like, it's, do you know what I mean? Like to start. Yeah. Yes. But sometimes you can't control these things. No. You know? And if, if love comes along when it comes along, you've, you've got to take it. You've got to grab it with both yeah, hands. Yeah. And, and you know, you can. Exactly. Yeah. No, sorry. sorry can, we're going to say. Yeah. Well, you can just carry on with, you know, doing all your own personal development and men mental health, you know, positive mental health work while you're with him yeah. you know if you're with someone that supports that and isn't you know hindering it then it doesn't really matter I, I think. think that and that's probably the biggest thing I can't I feel so shocked and surprised that someone would support that that someone wouldn't ridicule or minimize me and my thoughts and feelings and what I need to do because I've never been supported in that way so if for him he, like he's like oh how was your how was your workshop today how you know he always asks me about my day he actually sends me a message every night if we're not together how are you babe how are the kids how was your day I don't even get how are the kids messages from the kids father <laughs> like yeah like you know he's like, oh, I miss them give them hugs for me like you know he's just Aww. he is so lovely and I, I mean I, I hope it goes somewhere I don't know how it's going to look or what's going to happen I can't I can't even start to imagine how we would go from here where it goes from here I think we'll just like the whole like everything in my life I'm just gonna take it a step at a time and just see where we end up but yeah exactly. just got to go with the flow yeah exactly yeah so when you what happened did you tell your ex about being in a new relationship and how did he take well, it? Well, my ex ha has been in another relationship himself for a while and I 
have since learned quite possibly even since before he and I even separated there was something going on there. So I've had to deal. What? Yeah, I know this is a revelation oh that my God. came out. You know, I'm so dumb. I should have I should have wisened up a lot earlier. But anyway, so Farah, you've really got to stop putting yourself <laughs> no, down. Well, well, I, I was blind. I was, that's for sure. Anyway, so I was, um, I, I've met her at his mum's funeral. I went up and made a, a point of introducing myself because I know that she is looking after my kids often when he's with her. When he has them, she's obviously there because he yeah. doesn't do it himself. It's really nice and mature of you to do yeah, that. Yeah, so I went up it's to good, introduce myself to her and yeah. you wouldn't believe it. I moved halfway across Perth away from him and she lives around the corner from me. So oh I know. God. So he's actually down here with her quite a bit and she has two kids of her own. So my kids have had this for the last year and sort of another female figure in their life and two other siblings sort of that they're seeing regularly. I wouldn't call them that yet because it's not, you know, not an on paper. Yeah. It's not an intentional family yet, but they are, they're operating as a family. So... I love how you just use that I, I'm word, so loving this. I, this, this um, <laughs> post I've been obsessed with. I've listened to that post with Marsha three times now. Um, that oh, isn't it amazing? Yeah. I love the intentional I was telling I was telling nice Mr. Unicorn concept. all about it and I'm like, this is the word I've been looking for. <laughs> this is what I want. This is what I wanted. Yeah, so, um, it's beautiful. Yeah, so I've, I'm setting up. But so they're not an intentional family yet. Not, but yeah. It's nice that you did that. But then so you found out that yeah. did she give you some information that made you think? Uh, he did. He dropped it by accident. Oh. And I said to him, oh, how long have you been going out, you know, with this lady for? And he said, oh, we've known each other for over 18 months. But um, we've only just started going, like, seeing each other for four months. And I was just like, if you've known each other for 18 months, I'm sorry, but the math in my head, our son's not even 18 months old. So... I, I, you know, wow. I don't think he even realised that he said it at the time and I went back to my mum and said, this is what Brad's just said and uh, my calculations are correct. <laughs> this is, yeah, so I... But who knows? I mean, guys are very, I think, even, well, not guys, I shouldn't overgeneralise, some women are too, but, you know, like when you talk about something, it's it can be a roundup. Like it could be maybe 13 months and he's rounding it up to 18 exactly. months, you know, without even thinking. And you, I'd like to hope that, but I look back now at how much time he spent on his phone when I was unwell. He would lock himself away in his room for hours and I just feel they, the way they are together and how, I don't know, it just seems like it's, yeah, there's no proof. I've got no yeah. proof of it, but I just feel like yeah. there's things that have been said in passing and not carefully, I think, have, you know, there's been some unmonitored yeah. comments and I think, yeah, anyway. So they that that's fine. And um, so he hasn't actually met Mr Unicorn yet. I haven't put them in the same space because rightfully so Mr Unicorn isn't very pleased with this bloke's behaviour and he has been giving me quite yeah. a bit of grief this year. I mean, I've struggled with child support and with um, trying to off, uh, sell the property that we jointly own. There's been a lot of conflict and uh, difficulty between us and it's ongoing all the time. And when I feel like we're finally turning a corner, it reverts right back to where it was because in the end, I just the thing I've learned is I can never, ever trust that he's going to do the right thing by me. He's always going to do the right thing by himself. Yeah. And no matter how much I want to give him the benefit of the doubt over and over, he just rips the rug out from under me. And, I've, and I think Mr Unicorn's watched that happen now in a short space of time too many yeah. times and even he's upset yeah. by it. So I think it's probably better at the moment if they don't 
interact just yeah. yet. Yeah. Because once I think I just need some more space between me and and the ex and what's happened there. So it's hard. It's such yeah. a delicate. No it's rush. such a tightrope to walk. I think when when there's um, ex partners and new partners involved and, and children. Yeah. It is. But, I mean, as long as it's probably a good thing that he has repartnered because otherwise he'd probably be, because of the type of person that he is, be focusing a lot more negative energy on you and um, now he's quite distracted with what he's got on in his own life and, you know, he's got a different focus and he's not, you having a new relationship is not going to be some catalyst that's going to set him off, you know. No. Look, to be honest, I think he finds anything as a catalyst to set himself off, he'll find anything, whatever he wants to complain about yeah. today. And, like, in, in the beginning he was like, I don't know this man. I don't know who was with my children all the time. And in the beginning I didn't either. Like, I mean, I yeah. you, you have to, I don't know, it, it sounds awful, but when I first started seeing Mr Unicorn, I, I, I felt like I couldn't go have a shower and leave him alone with my kids because I didn't really know him because automatically my yeah. brain went to a really horrible negative thought and I was like, I, I can't do that. You hear, hear stories all the time. Um, and so I was, it wasn't until I didn't, you know, knew him for a few months that I started to feel comfortable with that. But as a parent, not seeing who your children are with, I mean, just like me with, with my ex, I don't know who his partner is. I mean, I've met her one time briefly. I don't know how she parents. I don't know what they're like in the home. Ever. Yeah. And so you have to just put your faith in the fact that someone's going to look after your kids that you don't know. And it's very hard for him to do that because his big thing is control. The issue we had in our relationship was control. So he's relinquishing. He's got no control over what's happening in this space in my life. And the only way he can is to bad mouth or say negative things. And I think he's, and he's tried to attack and undermine me since he's learned, um, you know, that I'm now seeing someone else. And that's going to happen. And that's hard. That's hard to get through. I can't imagine how hard it is for people. It's very hard. Like it can get dirty, it can get messy and it can get mean and it's really hard not to sink to those levels when you work so hard to keep yourself above it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you're doing really well and I think um, it's just a process, you know, one step at a time and you just work it out as you go. The co-parenting journey is not easy and there's no, like, formula or script or anything that you just never know what's going to happen. So all you can do is just take it as it comes and exactly just go with it. It's funny, I met this girl in the parenting workshop I was in yesterday, we were talking, and she's just had a three-year-old, but she also has um, two older children in their 20s. So she's had this huge big gap, and now in her second relationship, she's, um, she's her, her little girl the same age as my little girl. So we have very similar problems. And the one thing she said to me that struck me yesterday, she said, I want to do it right this time. And I said, that's a huge statement to make because what's right? And mm. what makes you think you did it mm. wrong before? Like, yeah, I just, it, it made me think, like, we're all putting these huge pressures on ourselves as mothers to do it right, especially if you're a single yeah. parent and you're trying to play the roles of perhaps more than one parent, like, to fulfill yeah, exactly. those spaces. And, uh, and I've, got to, I've got to keep telling myself that. I've got to have that self-talk. Like, there is no right or wrong. Like, I keep having my mother's head in my, in my mind, like, if I'm feeding my kids baked beans for the second night in a row because I know they'll eat it and I need them to have full stomachs so and they actually sleep. 
I feel I'm feeling guilty because yeah. my mum's going, oh, you know, there's not enough vegetables there. You know, you should be cooking something from scratch. But I've spent hours and hours afternoons cooking something amazing, and then my kids throw it on the floor across the room. Yeah. And so part of me is like, I'm making things harder for myself because of these expectations. I think I should be setting. It's ridiculous. Like if my daughter wants wheat bix for dinner. Let her have wheat bix. You know, yeah, because exactly. she's not going to only eat wheat bix for the rest of her life. Do you know anyone that only eats wheat bix? No. Yeah. So I, it, it's silly. I've got to keep, and if it was my friend saying the same thing, I'd say this to her. So I've got to take my own advice. I've got to say to myself, if yeah. my friend was having a That's problem, the thing. what would I tell her? And I need to listen. And, we're so much harsher on ourselves and that's a really good strategy to use. Like think, what would I say to my best friend or what would I say yeah. to, you know, whoever? Because we just, we would not say like, oh my God, how dare, like how could you give them wheat beaks? That's just shocking parenting. Like what about the vegetables? There's absolutely mm. no nutrition. I didn't give them a bag of gummy bears. I gave them wheat beaks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that. It's dairy and it's a grain. It's a whole yeah. grain. We all, need, we, <laughs> we all need to put less pressure on ourselves. It, it, it's, it's silly. And there are some days I'm so exhausted. Like I still have so many appointments. This is the thing I can't get over. Like you, you need, you can't work. I don't know how people work with cancer. It's just impossible with the treatment mm. schedule and the, the the number of follow-ups. And uh, if if you're lucky to have the counselling sessions or the time to do those things or go to the support groups, like these things all take time. And just yeah, and just normal things in life take time. And I'm so exhausted. Some days I get to the end of the day and. I just think, I don't know how I'm going to get through another evening. I don't know, but you just, you do. And then you finally find yourself in bed and you're just about to close your eyes and, you know, there's a toddler in your face screaming for more milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mum, I've just, I've not done a poo, mum. Like, are you kidding? Oh, my God. It, it doesn't, there is no break. And I've had to say, I've got to drop my expectations. I've got to let things go. I've got to change the way I live. I, you know, I can't live in a display home. I can't look like an Instagram mum. I can't I no. can't do painting activities with my kids with recycled egg cartons and you know I can't I can't oh, me neither I hate craft I love it I hate but I it. can't do it do Not you who I am oh, I love it I'm a, I hate I love that kind of stuff oh, I just hate all the mess we just made my daughter's Easter hat for the Easter hat parade and that's about as much craft as I can handle for the next four weeks <laughs> my whole life is about crafting things doses. I can't afford my son's so into robots at the moment so his birthday is in two days I'm like I've got to make a robot what can I make a robot out of and I'm looking around and I've just started taking up making cakes again sort of that was the thing I kind of did for a bit of cash on the side when I was pregnant and a few years before I had kids I saw a cake you made recently because I remember it because it was around my daughter's birthday it was around like early March but it was amazing. I think it was Elsa or yeah, something. So, I was like, wow. Yeah, I've been doing that a bit. It's a bit of extra cash, which is good. And that's, that's really my good. kind of release. I like doing crafty things. And, and I've actually been volunteering yeah. actually for an organisation that makes dolls for children in Africa. And they use them um, as part of counselling sessions, but also to give to the kids who are in remote communities that have no toys. So um, I, need, I need to have these crafty little things to as a, as a relaxation yeah. as an outlet but um yeah yeah, I, yeah i'll never be one That's of those good. perfect instagram mums that has meal plans and uh, and i want to i so <laughs> want to be that woman but it's not now it's not yet <laughs> I'm yeah you just gotta do do what you do yeah exactly everyone's different who cares mm-hmm. now i just wanted to ask you 
when we spoke last time, you had just moved into your new home and I think you were saying something, you were sitting there surrounded in boxes. Have you settled in to your new place and how does it feel having your own space and, you know, fresh, this fresh stuff? Oh, my stuff? God, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I, well, I didn't leave my um, my ex with much. I really took the basics, the, the kids' cots and the washing machine and um, my clothes and that was it I didn't even have a bed when I moved in I didn't have a dining table I'd, uh, I took one of the televisions we had four of them so I figured he wouldn't miss one but um <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't really have much stuff and at the time unfortunately for my family my stepfather's best friend had passed away and they had a, a storage unit full of all the stuff from his house which they'd emptied out and my stepfather was like whatever you need come and take it so I was so So lucky and and now everywhere in my house I had these little reminders of this lovely man who was part of our lives for a long time um and also around that same time I had this incredible lady reach out to me from a furniture company here in um, Perth and um offer me a free couch because I didn't have a couch and I'd said I'd put one on lay-by and I'd had to cancel wow. the lay-by around the time that my relationship broke up because I couldn't afford it I just had no money coming in and with my separation with Brad it was costing me a lot of money to just to you know to pay rent and to, just yeah. to do things medically my whole life was a bit of chaos and um he wasn't paying child support and it was in an awkward space and she said oh actually there's a couch here in our waiting room we've been wanting to update you know I know that you can't that you've cancelled your labor would you be interested in this and I was like oh my god that's amazing I'd love it and then a couple so of weeks good. after that she called me again and she goes I've told my boss about you and he wants you to come and pick out an entire house of furniture from our second warehouse she goes just come and take anything what? you want and I was like, are you joking? And I just burst into tears. I just <laughs> cried and cried. I said, I, I have nothing. Oh, the only other thing I had was my piano. <laughs> so my house was going to be empty. And she oh. said, no, we want you to have it. So I went there with a bunch of flowers and a bottle of wine to say thank you, which would never have been enough. And she said, I'm so glad you're here. We're cleaning it out today. And um, she went through and she had a clipboard in her hand. She's going, you're going to need this. You're going to need this. Your kids are going to both need beds. You're going to need uh, two <laughs> chests of drawers. You're going to need a bed for yourself. You're going to need a mattress. And she just, I left there. I hadn't hardly wow. spoken a word. My mouth was on the floor the whole time and I was in tears. And I, a couple of weeks later, this truck with these two guys hopped out delivering me all this stuff. And I just I, I just can't believe that. Again, that's another reason why I just the universe takes care of me. I just I had nothing and now I had everything. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice. So establishing my new space has been so good because everything was new and everything was just mine and it might have been worn and torn or a little bit broken or a little bit damaged but I didn't care because it was all for us and and we love it here this house has got so much light and energy and happiness in it and it's full of children's laughter and Duplo and you know toys and books and things that I couldn't have had scattered all over the place in a past life and now scattered all over the place in this life and all the people that yeah. come in here are happy people bringing positive energy into my life. Like my ex-partner still doesn't know where I live and I'm never going to let him know because I don't want him here. I don't want that negative energy yeah. in my space because I've worked so hard to make yeah. it my space. And I've got my pictures on the walls and I've, you know, I've made, I've done a lot of um, art therapy and I've been doing some painting and there's pictures that I've painted and crafts that I've made and stuff hanging up everywhere and it's just a constant reminder everywhere I turn of every little step we've taken together as our family to get to where I am yeah it's so nice it's just yeah wow that's amazing it's it's so nice to hear these stories it just makes you think 
there's really like there's good people in the world mm. you know like good stuff happens it's there's amazing people really in the beautiful. world but I've been so so lucky the things that yeah I've been given the things that I've um, been allowed to participate in or share it even brings yeah. to my eyes thinking awesome. about it and I I I don't ever want people to feel like I was ungrateful or I didn't appreciate it. And I, I try so hard to keep up with all the thank yous and keep up to date with all the, the new friends and the new people that I've met along the last 12 months. It's hard. Yeah. And I, I hope that everyone knows <laughs> how much it's meant to me, how much it's changed my life. But you know what? They do. And the thing is people don't do nice things because they want to thank you. They want to, a thank you from you. They don't want to hear thank you. Like they, they do nice things because it makes them feel good and they want to help you, you know. It's not about getting praise and, oh, you're no. amazing. It's just it, it amazes me how many people want to help. Like I lived in a space with, surrounded by people for so long where there wasn't a natural kindness and I used to feel so alone in that energy. I was just like I have this innate desire to please to people please and it's not always a good thing it can be quite detrimental but that was who I am and to be around suddenly people who were negative all the time and and weren't free willing of their spirit I was I found that really life sucking and draining and then all of a sudden I've been unleashed back into a world where for ages someone was telling me people aren't good you know don't you know they're not nice this is the way it is you know we're 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 so unlucky things bad things are happening to us you know I had that negative voice in my ear for so long and then now like just as an example like last week I had to change my insurance because you know all the premiums are spiking and last year unfortunately when I was in Japan I got broken into so somebody stole all of my jewelry all of my electronics and um, they'd come in and oh I, I know it was devastating because I had all these beautiful little gifts that people had given me that um, they took all of my junk jewelry that I had for my daughter. I had this little box of bracelets she used to play with. They just took all this stuff mm. that was personal possessions that would mean nothing to anyone else and was so special yeah. to me and had the journey that I'd been on and it was all lost in the blink of an eye. And I was so angry and so, so because of that. It's such a, well, you feel so violated. I did. And I was, Someone in your space. It was horrible, especially like I had made this special, special space and I was doing something for me and while I was away, this was like the karma, like I felt like, oh, my God, maybe I shouldn't have gone on to Japan. This was wrong of me to go. This is the universe telling me I shouldn't. But anyway, as a result of that, that's another story, um, my premium spiked and so I was trying to go around and get some different, you know, quotes, and I was on the phone to this one guy from RSA who traditionally uh, over here in WA can be quite expensive, but I'd been talking to him and I had been a member, a loyal member for a long time, and I said, look, I'm just going to try and get a quote from you. I know that you're not always the cheapest, but, you know, can we talk? And so we talked and he was really helpful. And then in the end, I don't know what happened, how he said something about me and he said something about, oh, his wife having a baby and um, she just found a lump in her breast. And I said, oh, my God, it's so weird that you just said that because if I'm going to tell you my story right now, you know, it'll freak you out. And so we started talking on this really personal level and he's just the guy that works in the phone room. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad you told me. I'll get her to go to the doctor immediately. And I said, please do. I hope everything's well. And in the end, the quote was too high and I couldn't take it. And I said, look, thanks so much for your time. We'd been on the phone for about 40 minutes. And two days later, I get a call back from a number I didn't know and it was him. And he rang and said, look, I want to tell you, I went home and told my wife about your story and she's gone and had it checked and um she's going to be fine but um we both we googled you and now we've seen what you've been going through and I went and spoke to my supervisor and we've gotten you as another a special discount to try and help you keep your insurance with RSE and I was just like oh my god see there's just oh there's gosh. people out there in the most random places 
that just want to help. That's that just, so nice. That you can, I, I don't know. And one of my problems is I have verbal diarrhea. I just talk and talk and talk and the truth just falls out of my mouth. I've got, like, <laughs> it just, I, even if people don't want the story, I give it to them kind of thing and it's just, it's weird. And so I tell people in weird places that I meet things or, you know, what I'm going through, I start to, talking in their story I say oh my gosh this is what's happening with me and you should try this or it's weird how your reactions and the thing people drop their guard so quickly like sometimes and you connect so quickly over something where perhaps you may not have before and yeah absolutely the more you share the more you break down barriers exactly and I can feel these kind of crystal walls that had been all everywhere in my life I'd felt are now just not there I feel so much more fluid in my connections with other people that's so good yeah can I say this verbal diarrhea (laughs) that you're talking about like uh, that's what I love about you and I also think it's really good that you do it because especially with sharing your story you don't know by sharing your story who it touches and who it who it encourages to go and feel their breasts and make sure that or go and see that doctor they've been meaning to see no. or, you know, anything. Like you're saving lives and it's just, you know, it's fantastic. Well, if it changes, if it makes one woman stop and go, well, even my one of my good friends back a couple of months ago, she contacted me and she goes, I've got a lump under my arm. What should I do about it? And I said, excuse me, how long have you had it there? She goes, oh, about six months. And I just want to disagree with her. I was like, if my story has taught you nothing, she goes, yeah, I know, I knew you'd be mad. I said, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm stressed. Go. But I can't have yeah. time to go to the doctor. I said, yes, you do. There's someone who you can look who can look after your daughter. You can take a day off work. You know, you have to make yeah. that happen. That's not a negotiable. You need to go. And waiting for the results from that test for her was agonizingly terrifying. And I was so like, I can't believe after everything I've been through, everything I put out there, someone that close to me would still put her health to the side. And I, I thought, I'm not even getting the message through to my friends. Oh, my God, I need to drive it harder. I need to do more. So I feel like <laughs> that I need to do more constantly. I'm trying to look for the next way to share the message. I mean, people might be sick of hearing it and the people in my space no. may be so, oh, my God, here she is again. Oh, the boobs all over Facebook again. Oh. You know, no like, I just way. I just feel like I'm just going to keep hammering at home. I've got to keep. You can't stop. Exactly. It's yeah. You just keep doing what you're doing because it's fantastic. That's now I've got to start wrapping up. Unfortunately, yeah. I wish I could speak to you all afternoon, but I've got to go pick my daughter up from school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so going. But um, let me just ask you one final question: When you think about the last twelve months, what kind of emotions come up for you? Like, is it a positive? 12 months I mean it's been about 14 months now that you've been a single mum I yeah. think is it January, yeah, January. 2017 yeah, my birthday. Yeah. so yeah that's right so you know it's been about 14 months since you've been on this journey how how would you kind of summarize it um oh my god that's a really good question for once I'm lost for words um <laughs> I it's been a massive journey of self-discovery and of redefinition in so many ways. Redefining my, like, I think we've talked about it many times, the stigmas associated with being a single mum and um, what it actually does mean to be a single mum, what that involves. Like, even when you think you might know what it is until you're doing it, you don't. And I, I think building, rebuilding my life to make it look how I wanted it, having power, it's regaining 
regaining the power and control that I needed to to be happy, redefining what I thought happiness was supposed to look like, but realising that I had it in me all along. I just had to let it out. I feel it's a bit like I, there was a bird in a cage and the cage was too small and I got a bigger cage and a bigger cage. Now eventually I'm just letting the bird go. I love that. I think it's so beautiful and I think, you know, I just love everything about you. You're oh, so amazing. Bless you. I love you. So <laughs> Mutual appreciation <laughs> society you. we've got going on. But yeah. seriously, I think my, Marcia <laughs> said it in her podcast with you the other week is that um, I – having this resource has been invaluable to me and I um and having the community there and it, it, weirdly I even connected with someone I went to high school with through your website I know I heard about yeah, that and so yeah. that was amazing oh, that makes me yeah. so happy and it's, it's it's doing wonders down in levels probably you don't even realize so thank you for everything you've done for us single mums everywhere Aww. You're so lovely. It makes me happy to hear that. And, you know, well, I'm just like you, I guess, like, you know, you're, st- you're spreading the, um, the breast cancer awareness message and you're spreading single, spreading mother single mom message. Yeah. yeah. And it's just about women sticking together and, you know, just finding the tribe. And, and also I think it all comes together. Yeah, listening to the other, the other stories, like even the lady from kids spot, was it Nina and, and Mel, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. just even to realising that these people who live these lives, like that's my aspiration to work on a magazine or an online blog or something. And even yeah. her, who seems to have everything together, she's yeah. just going through the same stuff that we are. She's just like all of us. We're all. Exactly. We're all in the same boat. We're, exactly. we're, not, we're not in a race. <laughs> no we're not the race we're all in the same boat we're all just you know getting through the days and doing what we can and doing what's best for our kids and at the end of the day we are we're all raising little humans amazing little people we're being amazing role models and we're doing everything we can to make sure that they're happy and that they're healthy and that you know we're we're good and I can't, I can't imagine how there's ever, ever now, the more I think about it, ever been a negative stigma to being a single mum. Like I feel like it's just why would people be so harshly about something that's so amazing, it's something that's so special and so important and so in, integral to a healthy, happy society and doing the right things for your children, being like that role model and I don't know, it just blows yeah. my mind that that the accolades aren't given out more freely the acknowledgement isn't paid more often yeah it's sad isn't yeah. it but I think it is slowly changing yeah. but yeah. anyway it's probably a conversation for exactly. another day but <laughs> I better go Farah thank you so day. much for thank your time thank you so much I'm really honored to thank you me. I love having you on the show right, thank you I'll talk to you again soon <laughs> <laughs> see bye. you soon bye wow Wow, wow. Isn't she just amazing? Farah, thank you so, so much for your time and for coming onto the show again and for sharing, you know, more of your story, for letting us tag along with you and seeing you grow and seeing everything you experience. I just think it's amazing. I think you're amazing and I just really appreciate your time. So thank you so much for that. And Thank you to you for listening. I really hope that you loved that episode. I want Farah to come back again and again and again because I just adore her. Um, you know, she's got, she's had a difficult 
a period. There's no doubt about it. But what I love about Farah is her positive attitude. She's just got this go, 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 you know, don't give up attitude. And I love the fact that she's just so passionate about, you know, spreading her message about breast cancer awareness and checking your boobs and, you know, just doing that stuff because it's so important. And as she was saying about her friend, you know, sometimes when we find things about ourselves medically, we either just don't want to know. So we put off going to the doctor in case it's something really serious. It's kind of a more of a out of sight, out of mind type scenario. Or we don't have the time to go because, you know, being a single mum, life is busy. So it's just important that if there is something, anything that you're worried about, go and get it checked out because the sooner you get something checked out, if you're in doubt, the better. So that was one of the key messages that I took as well from from that chat with her. But I just think it's amazing how she's doing so much for, for breast cancer awareness and Farah all the best on your trek to China. I'm really hoping you get to go and otherwise it'll be Nepal, which will be just as great, I'm sure. And I'm going to put the link to donate to Farah for her trek in the show notes. It's raising money for breast cancer and, you know, every little bit counts. So it would be amazing if anyone could spare a few dollars for that. Okay, so that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Don't forget the doors are closing for the Don't Just Survive Thrive e-course online program. It's kicking off on Monday, the 16th of April, 2018, and I'd love to have you. So I'll put the link to enroll in the show notes if you're interested in that. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at Single Mother Survival Guide. And you can email me at julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. If you have any questions or anything at all, please get in touch. Let me know what you thought of the podcast. It really means so much to me when I hear from you because it's just so nice to connect with listeners and readers of my blog. And, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite things about doing what I do. I just, I love to know that it's having some kind of impact on you. So yeah, if you have written to me or, you know, email me, thank you. It's yeah, I just, it means a lot to me. Yeah. Thank you. If you go to my website, www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com, you can also find a link to join the Single Mother Survival Guide support forum, which is a group on Facebook. So please request to join. I try to get through those requests on a weekly basis at least because there are quite a few coming through. But if you need, you know, some support, it's a great online support group. So please jump on in and you can read all my blog posts on the website. You can find out all about all the other episodes of my podcast as well. And if you feel like you could use some one-on-one mentoring help. That's what I do. So you can book in a 30 minute complimentary clarity call and we can discuss what's going on and what I can help you with. So I'd love to hear from you. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to rate it in iTunes or in Stitcher. In iTunes, all you have to do is go to the Single Mother Survive Guide podcast and then scroll down to the bottom and then all you have to do is tap on the stars. It's so super simple and will probably take you five seconds. So I really appreciate that. And if you'd love to write a review that would be even more amazing and I love reading them so thank you so much for that and yeah it's just really nice to know that you guys are enjoying this podcast so thank you very much 
Okay, that's it from me for this week. I hope you, if you're in Australia, if you're in New South Wales, I guess I know all the holiday weeks are a little bit different, but regardless, I'm sure there's school holidays coming up for everybody soon anyway, if you have school-aged children. So good luck. I hope we can all survive. I have no idea what to expect. I'm really excited at this point, but by the end of it, I'll probably be like, right, roll on school, (laughs) roll on term two. Anyway, who knows? Um, Okay, that's it. Have a great week and I'll speak to you next week. Okay, bye for now.